Welcome to Bird Bits and today's episode, What is Rehabilitation? Bird Bits are stories of rehabilitation. My name is Tanya Prochnow and I am a state and federally permitted wildlife rehabilitator located in northern Michigan. Bird Bits shares educational information based on what we do at With Feathers Avian Rescue. You will hear updates on the birds we see, stories and information behind the situations that bring them to our care. We hope this podcast helps you understand just a little better what is involved in rehabilitation. When people say rehabilitation, a lot of different things come to mind. Uh, One of the things that is a misconception is people envision rehabbers cuddling these sweet animals or petting them and holding them, and it's kind of like the, the vision of Snow White, and that is very far from what the truth is. As a rehabilitator, you are not supposed to be um, cuddling, petting, talking to, treating these animals like pets. They are wild, and it is a rehabilitator's job to keep them wild. So today's episode will hopefully um, give you a better understanding of what it means to be a rehabilitator and what the requirements are and what um, our job entails. So the first thing would be, what is required? Now, I am talking about the state of Michigan, so other states have different laws regarding it, so I can only answer for the state of Michigan. So for in order to get your state permit, which you have to do first, uh, you have to take a class, and that class is usually a two-day process, and it involves book work and hands-on. And it also involves a test, which you have to pass. And after that takes place, um, then you have to determine what you actually want to rehabilitate and start either collecting or building the caging based on the minimum standards of requirement, which is which is a, a, a guideline that is set up. So then once your caging is in place and all set, you have to have the DNR come and inspect your caging to make sure it actually does fit the standards. You also have to secure a vet who is willing to work with you, and you have to find another permitted rehabilitator that will say they will um, give you guidance if you need anything. So that gets you a state state, uh, permit. That, That means you can rehab mammals, and three species of birds, which would be pigeons, house sparrows, and starlings. Those are the only three birds that are not protected under the Federal Migratory Act. So those are the, that's what the state permit gets you. So because I wanted to rehabilitate birds, it means getting a federal permit. All birds are covered under the, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So in order to get the federal part of the permit, you have to have 100 education or experience hours. So your class can contribute to some of those hours. The rest has to be spent working with another federally permitted wildlife rehabilitator. So you have to get your 100 hours. Then again, you have to have a vet, an avian vet, who will work with birds And you have to, again, have a rehabilitator who is federally permitted, who is willing to work with you. Then in order to fill out, uh, part of the 
part of the permitting process is you have to declare which species, which type of birds, not specific species, but which type. So say raptors, waterfowl, songbirds, which type you wish to rehabilitate. And you have to be able to show the caging that it is appropriate for that species based on um, its abilities. So um, limited would mean when, they, when they're injured and can't really move, they need a smaller cage than if they're learning to fly and they would need a flight pen. So there's different caging size for each stage. So you have to show that. You also have to go over what their diet would be and where you intend to secure the food for that diet. And then um, you also need to list your experience that you have, um, how many hours you've spent in what situations. And so um, that all gets sent in in order to get your federal permit. So in order to rehabilitate birds in Michigan, you have to have both a state and a federal permit. So there is, there is a lot of training and a lot of time involved, and it's a big commitment to make. For myself, I had never really wanted to be part of rehabilitation. I started out with chickens, and I jokingly tell people that chickens are the gateway bird. After chickens, I ended up trying turkeys and geese and ducks and pheasants and quail and then we had parrots inside and so um, during this time I discovered that in northern Michigan finding an avian vet is almost impossible and the the people that I knew when I had an injured chicken their response was it was a chicken just take it out back and get rid of it take care of business well my chickens were pets, and they were named, and so this wasn't really an option that uh, I was willing to um, go along with. So I ended up reaching out to um, one of the poultry vets at Michigan State University, and I spent a lot of time talking to them because I wanted to be able to take care of my animals, my birds, and not just say, oh, well. So... Over the course of probably the next five years, I learned everything I could about birds from basic anatomy to a lot of the problems, how to handle a lot of the situations on my own. And then I ran into the situation where people started bringing me birds. So um, a box of birds would appear and... Um, or I'd get a call about this bird out here that needed help. And my response was, no, I don't want them. Uh, they're not, it's not legal for me to take care of them, but there wasn't anyone else. So after about a year of that situation, I decided that maybe I was willing to consider it. Now, this horrifies birders, but the very first batch of baby birds that I raised that convinced me that I wanted to be a rehabilitator were European, star European starlings. And the reason I did this is because it's legal. Um, they're not protected. And so I raised four baby starlings and fell in love with the little guys. But I followed everything that I knew and could find about rehabilitation because I didn't want to keep them. And 
after doing that, I decided that it was something that I wanted to commit to um, because, like I said, it's a long process. And so uh, as much as birders hate starlings, they're, they're part of the reason that I ended up rehabilitating birds, um, just experiencing their growth, which was amazing. The most difficult part is just knowing you can't cuddle, you can't talk to, you can't pet these little babies because you want them to remain wild so that they can be released. So that that is difficult, and it, unfortunately it's the reality. So the second part is, what is rehabilitation? And basically our goal is to return the birds that come to us to the wild, That means we want them healthy, we want them to be able to function. They can see, they can fly, they can catch their food, they can eat, they can move, they can find protection. They need to be able to do all this and able to go back into the wild. If any of those pieces are missing, um, they can't be released and we are required to euthanize them. A bird that cannot survive on its own in the wild has to be euthanized. So that means um, no amputations. Um, It can't lose part of its foot. It can't lose a wing. It has to have eyesight. Uh, It has to be able to perch, to fly, to eat on its own. Um, All those things have to be in place or it can't be released. And that might sound harsh, but having seen birds come in that are starving to death because they can't function, it is so much more humane to euthanize them when you know that's what's going to happen to them. We see birds that come in starving, mostly in the fall, but we see so many of them and they're in such horrible shape. It's something we want to prevent, if at all possible. Now, the third option with rehabilitation, there's release, euthanasia, or some birds are, are, can be used for educational birds. Now, one of the questions um, I hear is, why can't all be, birds be used as ed birds? Why do you euthanize that one and you save that one for an ed bird? Well, not all birds are appropriate as an educational bird. Um, We do have educational birds, and I'll tell you their story in a minute, but all birds are not um, of the right temperament to be an educational bird. You have to remember that as humans, we are the predator, and they want to get away from us. So many adult birds are just too nervous around humans to be able to be an educational bird. The temperament really matters. Um, Usually you want a bird that's younger that can adapt to being around humans. And you want one that's inquisitive and interested in people, which is not something you normally see in wild birds. So there's a fine line in what birds are appropriate for educational birds. Now, as I said, we do have educational birds. We have four of them. First, we have a morning dove. The situation with the morning dove, she came in at three days old with her eyes closed, and she had been cat caught. And so she needed wound treatment, medication, and to be fed every day. 
And so she was the very first baby bird of the season and spent three weeks as the only bird. And so by the time um, she could be released, she she had imprinted with us at during that time period. And so she is just way too friendly towards humans to be released. We also have um, two uh, common ravens, and they both are unable to fly. One has a, a wing that is gone, and one has a wing that had an old injury and will not fully extend. So both of them cannot fly. Um, they have a special pen so that they can get around and be inquisitive, and they're just great fun to watch. Um, you can find them through um, our website. They do have a YouTube channel where you can watch them. It's not up 24-7, but there are dates and times when they're available that you can watch them. We also have um, a crow, an American crow, and his situation is a little different. He came to us as a nestling and had fallen out of the nest and broken both legs that healed incorrectly. So originally, when we saw him, we figured he probably would have to be euthanized because, as I said, one of the requirements is being able to perch. And the way his legs have healed, um, we didn't think that was possible. But we gave him a chance. Um, he is imprinted because he spent so much time with us and needed so much care. Um, and he was able to perch. So... Um, he is around. Um, we know going into the situation when you have a break that heals incorrectly, it usually results in arthritis down the road. And so it's likely that his lifespan will be much shorter because um, once you have a situation where the bird, the bird's condition gets worse or it's at a point where he's in pain, um, we would choose euthanasia instead of keeping him in pain. Um, so at this point, we are just enjoying his company while we can. And um, in the, these situations, these birds have worked out to be educational birds, but that's not always the case. And so um, that's not like an option with every bird. It's few and far between. We want the best possible conditions for all of the birds we see, whether they're wild and they're released, they stay with us as an ed bird, or if we have to euthanize them. We want them pain-free, happy, and able to behave as their species should. So hopefully this gives you a little bit better idea of what's required and what our goal is in rehabilitation. Um. It's a challenge, as I said, you don't want to get attached to birds. Um, you sometimes do just because those difficult cases that you see a lot of. Um, but we have to keep our goal in mind, and our goal is to get the birds back into the wild. So this has been Bird Bits, Stories of Rehabilitation. We want to thank you for listening, and we will be back next week with more stories to share. Thanks. <music>